Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damon Ossifer with your host, Paul Frederick. Damon Osophy. Today, returning to the show is our friend Henry Panic, who has made some uh, changes with his great book, With Lucifer on My Side, which, uh, uh, which we talked about last year when he was on the show. So, uh, Henry, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. You bet. So, uh, so what have you been up to? What are the, um, well, first, you know what? I want to, I want to walk back and talk about the last time that we, that we talked, which was about a year ago, you know, uh, right about a year ago. Right. And, um, I remember it was like slightly before all of the pandemic mm-hmm. stuff happened. And after we'd done the show, I had a, a business engagement coming up in, uh, in your neighborhood down in Tampa mm-hmm. and I was going to come down and we were going to have, have coffee and talk. And then the week before that happened is when all of the COVID stuff started to hit the media and things like that. And, um, and there, there was the possibility of, uh, of, uh, you know, travel bans were coming yeah. up. Um, and, and I, was starting to feel a little bit, a little bit scratchy and a little bit lightheaded. So I decided to cancel out on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it turns out, it turned out later that really, I, I forgot that I just had allergies, but, um, I just kind of caught it real seriously. And I just kind of caught some of the, uh, the hype, like before the hype, like got into full force. And as a result of that, um, we didn't get to meet face to face. So yeah. I wanted to, apologize for that right here on the air because in retrospect i should have gone i should have just powered through and come on down because it was in actuality my last chance to travel for like the next for the next year the way things went but yeah yeah. no you're you're good i forgave you man it's all good (laughs) i appreciate it yeah so tell us about uh with lucifer on my side and how um it has uh re-manifested so to speak so um not really, not really any other way to say it, man. When I put the book out, I just wasn't in the right mental state. And I had convinced myself at the time that I was. Um, and then I realized I wasn't. The biggest thing that I really made me realize it was I stopped reading the book and I stopped editing it and going back and doing all that because it had come out. And so about a month later, I went back through and I, I looked at it. And you being an author, I'm sure you can understand this. If you never look away from your project, you're kind of you're kind of fucking yourself. So, seeing as I had never done that and I had never like taken a step back from it, I hadn't really seen the direction that it was going into. So, part of it was you know I like to I'll just chop that up as a first time writer mistake. Part of it was that. Um, the other part of it was there, there was I, I came to find out through continuing research and. Um, you know, other the things that I've learned that I was downright wrong about some of the stuff I'd said about philosophy. And even on top of that, again, going back to the state of mind I was in at the time, for a book that was about philosophy, there really wasn't that much philosophy in the original. 
like it was mentioned and it was discussed and the the points were there but it wasn't really in it a whole lot so with with this one it was when i decided i was like all right well i'm gonna go back and i'm, I'm gonna edit it it came down to a thing of how much do i want to change what needs to be changed is this something where I'm, you know is it, is it better just to take it off the market and all that so i went through all of it read through it did a lot more editing a little bit more research and came up with the final product yeah so so what like so give me some examples what are some of the things that you changed in it oh um well here i got my copy of it right here so i can follow along with you uh for one there's some chapter changes so the last chapter which it's pretty cringy for me to think about now, but the original last chapter, that's been gone. Uh, that got kicked. Um, I kind of I break down, in, in the original, I had a chapter called Foundation where I discuss the various philosophies that are discussed throughout the book. That's now become this first chapter, and it's a lot more expanded on. So I have about oh, close to 10,000 words on various philosophies that I'm just breaking down, not my experience with them, not uh, like antidote, just the principle. This is what it is. This is an example of it that I'm explaining to you. So you get that all in the first chapter of Foundation, as well as in two redactions, I go through some of the mistakes that I had made, including blending um, uh, paganism and Abrahamic religions, which blending them makes sense historically, but in a in a in a matter of um, ideology, obviously you're going to see some of the same principles, but it's really not taken from like paganism wasn't taken from Christianity, and and, and so on to the point where uh, yeah, pagan, yeah, yeah, paganism wasn't taken from Christianity. They were taken from polytheism and from Sumerians and Babylonians. So I go through all of that in my book, and we and. Uh, just kind of clear it up where I got it wrong. I go through some a lot more Blavatsky, um, quite a few more concepts of hers. In the original and in the restructure, I have a chapter called Drugs. The entire point of the chapter Drugs was based off of a Blavatsky concept. But if you read Drugs in the original, unless you knew of the concept, you probably weren't going to put the two together. So now I just draw that direct line between them. And I do okay. that throughout this entire book. So things where, you know, you're an author, so when you're going to read it and it makes sense to you because you're the one who wrote it and you understand it and blah, blah, blah. But then when you put it out there, it's people are looking at it like, "Mm, I'm not really following here. So what I did was I just made sure if I did a story, it makes a lot more sense to a theory or to a philosophy that I, I discussed earlier in the book. On top of that, there are... Uh, there wasn't really there. There was a couple small stories taken away. Um, I think the only story that was dramatically expanded on, expanded upon, was my uh, my time as a neo Nazi when I was a teenager. So I, I went a lot more into that and kind of explained a lot more of what that was like and some of the philosophy that those people live and those people fall by. So even though it's not directly related to the occult. Um, it's still there, you know, and you can still get that perspective of it as well, even though this is sort of an offshoot. 
conversation for what the rest of the book is. So. so what did you what did you learn? Did you learn anything new from the from the last time about specifically about philosophy philosophically? Is there anything new that you learned from right. then to the new version that you brought back into it? Well, on our last interview, I had told you that I throughout the process of writing the book, I had learned a lot more about hermeticism. And that continued even to now. I, I forgot. It was, I think I was looking again today at The Forbidden Universe, which is a book on hermeticism and how it's played its role in science. And that was written by my uh, editor, Lynn Pickman. And so, so I'm, I'm still learning. It's, you, you know, you never stop learning about this stuff. But hermeticism was learned a lot more about. I did learn a little bit more about theosophy. Or theos, theosophy. I can never pronounce that word right. Um, Blavatsky, she's she's hard. She's she's a she's a difficult person to understand, and she's a difficult person to research and read because she kind of overexplains and overexemplifies her stuff. But all the same, I, I was able to learn a lot more about her uh, the root race idea, her concept of that. I learned about that, and I go over it in the book. I go over the concept of the Andhra, which is the um, the Hindu chakra system. Um, and I talk about in drugs how uh, how it could be it, it goes there's two different parts of the book that bounce back and forth so it's kind of hard to explain one without the other but um, I, I talk about the Hindu concept of theology I talk about theosophy a lot more I talk about uh, the lemma I talk about the lemma a lot um, paganism I think was probably the only thing I didn't expand on paganism uh, it's still in there, but it's not quite as prevalent as before. So if anything, if anything got lost, uh, it was probably a little bit more of, of the pagan type stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, I learned even just, you know, growing as a person and having a new perspective and, you know, maturing as an adult, that, that all of that plays into all of this because you're, you're going to reprocess these ideas and these concepts as you get older and you look at life differently, you're going to do the same thing when you're looking at the satanic sins or, or the mysterious importance of power, um, the root race even. You're going to understand them all in different ways depending on what period you are in your life and where you are, you know, as a human being. Yeah. Um, I, I like that you expanded on uh, theosophy. Um, I'm not a theosophist, obviously, but... I think the contribution of Blavatsky is is often uh, over, overlooked when people go set about trying to find a, his, a, his, a history or a lineage of of these sort of uh, you know alternative or left hand path um, ideas and, and philosophies um, because before you know Blavatsky during that time period which is like you know I, I forget the exact year but some some point in the 18 1800s I want to say early 18 um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, prior to that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you you've just been like studying it all. But you know, there was masonry. You know, there's Christianity, right? There's like conventional religions, and then there was masonry, and then there were some people getting into like uh, spiritualism and 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 stuff like that. You know, seances and 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 things like that. That's kind of tied in, tied in with stage magic and stage hypnotism was a was a thing at the time. 
And she was kind of one of the first people to come along and, and, and sort of codify this in an alternative philosophy. I would say it's an esoteric system, an esoteric philosophy. It's not entirely religious, but it touches on lots of spiritual themes that, you know, that uh, many of us, you know, wanted our religion, wanted a religion to touch upon in a, in a certain way. Right. Um, and then from Blavatsky, um, like, like Gurdjieff, Gurdjieff and Ospensky and all of that stuff, the fourth way system is all kind of a contemporary kind of uh, contemporary of that. But I think one of the things that theosophy and, and, and you can stop me and, and, and if you don't agree with this, one of the things that um, I think that she kind of like brought into it was the idea of secret masters. Right. She claimed that she was getting ideas from secret masters and um, used that as her point of, you know, why, you know, when 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 you're preaching your gospel, so to speak, people will ask, well, why should we believe you? Why is it authentic? And so her, her authenticity was based upon, well, there's like secret masters over there. And then that that really caught on because. I want to say, you know, spiritualism was kind of going through this, you know, seances was going through this. Oh, well, we're going to like talk to the ghosts of dead people. Mm -hmm. She brought in, oh, there's secret masters. And then the next thing you hear is the golden dawn takes the same idea. You know, Mathers takes the same idea. Oh, I got a letter from like, you know, secret masters, you know, um, and, and, and it kind of like progresses from there. And then Aleister Crowley comes along and he tries to trump all of them and say, oh, well, you know, um, I am a secret master, you know, because because Horace told me so. And so it just kind of like goes on like that. But um, I guess I would know, make sense. Of, I, w I almost wonder if I, I guess I would make sense. I never really put the two and two together, but I guess I would make sense. that That's what probably kind of got, got that from, you know, and I would even go as far as to say Blavatsky probably took it from uh, the Masons. No, right. No, she certainly she certainly borrowed a lot. I think she probably took a lot from them. And then she took a lot from the spiritualism thing. And mm. the other thing is how huge it was. It's like there's thousands, thousands of like people who are into theosophy, like um, Ospensky, who later joined, uh, joined up with Gurdjieff and got influenced by him. He was in theosophy and he would lecture to like I mean, there would be like, you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people would show up to these lectures. It was really huge. And it came out of Russia, too, is the other thing. It's like she came from Russia yeah. and um, it's 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 um, a signifier of how big and prevalent the interest was in uh, in, let's just say, alternative alternative spirituality, for lack of a, a better term. What a huge thing that was coming out of that part of the country before um Leninism and, and the Bolshevik Revolution and all of that stuff came in and said, no, we will not have any competitors to our to our belief system here. So uh, there's a lot of really interesting historical things about um, about theosophy that I think are often often overlooked. Yeah, yeah the uh, I, I never really. never really thought to look at it from and, and see what the response would have been from Russia to that. I'm gonna have to look into that now because I, I, in college, I learned a lot about Russia because I learned a lot about the Cold War. So I'd be curious how they would respond to uh, any kind of esoteric system, whether it's Blavatsky's or whoever's. I, it just doesn't seem oh, yeah. like something that they would allow in the slightest bit. So seeing that they're kind of cracked down on it, I think that would be interesting to research. Yeah, um, there's a 
what's that book called? Blavatsky's Baboon. There's a book called Blavatsky's Baboon that talks about some of those different, some of those uh, influences that kind of grew out of, uh, of what she did. But definitely a very interesting, very interesting character. I'm going to write that down because I want to get that for sure. You mentioned uh, Hermeticism. What is, um, explain to me uh, Hermeticism because different people, I hear different, different ideas about what that that is. What does that mean from where you're coming from? Yeah, it's funny. Right before you asked, I was like, I have never in my life thought to like one elevator pitch Hermeticism. Because you know about <laughs> you know about like the seven keys, you know, or the the seven hermetic principles, but trying to sit here and how do you how do you one one sentence explain hermeticism? I don't, I don't know if I could right off the top of my head, but I was I was able to learn quite a bit more about the principles themselves. Um, gender, actually, I learned a lot more about gender and understanding how the masculine and feminine manifest themselves in earth and uh-huh. not just in life and in people, but in your actions as well. Um, and there was really, so when I, when I originally wrote with Lucifer on my side, every chapter was written and framed with a hermetic principle in mind. So even though my, my knowledge of them was limited, I did still write it with a hermetic principle in mind. So in the original, the only chapter where gender is discussed or where I thought, I'm, I'm writing this chapter based off the of gender was judgment. Outside of that, there there was really no other place of it. But now, because I've expanded my knowledge of it and my my research and my understanding, it's like I see gender manifested everywhere. You know, and it's really no different than uh, rhythm. I, I felt like I learned a lot more about rhythm. I really dived into it and looked at it from um, a Jungian perspective because he didn't touch on it. Um, at least as far as I know, he didn't touch on it directly, but I saw a lot of direct parallels there. So I'm, my guess is that he was probably um, informed of it of some way or somehow as well. I know that Young was really involved in the occult and he uh, he did quite a bit of research on the occult end as well. Um, I have one of his books here. I, haven't, I, I just bought it not that long ago, but it's, it's literally called like Young in the Occult. Um, so I was gonna give a, I was gonna give it a read, but I had a chance. But uh, yeah, I forgot where I was going with all that. But uh, yeah, the the seven, the Hermetic principles, I was really able to just learn more about, honestly, more than I already had to a point where I could understand how they, the way the way I look at them now is, and I apologize to the viewers who might not understand what they are, but if we were to go into every principle and break it down, we'd be here for a while. Basically. You got mentalism, so the all is mind. I'm trying to remember these off the top of my head. You got a uh, uh, vibration. Everything moves. Nothing is at rest. Um, correspondence is as below or as above, so below. Um, gender that's ma- masculine and feminine manifests on all in all things and all things. Uh, rhythm. There's rhythm to all things in life and uh, on all planes of existence. I know I'm forgetting to, but yeah, the, uh, I, I really felt like learning more through learning more throughout the process and over the past five years of writing the book and then rewriting parts of it anyway. Um, I really felt like I was able to see a lot more of how they all kind of intertwine with each other and how all of them work with one. So it's no, 
I, I almost used to, I used to look at it as trying to look at the principles independently. Now I don't think it's possible for you to see them independently. I now, I don't see how you can look at any hermetic principle and not see at least three or four at a time. So that was something that with hermeticism, I, I was with my, my further studying that I was able to, I guess, put together a lot more now. I'm able to see how it all plays together as opposed to the individual each. And even then, you know, you never master those. You're never going to fully understand those principles. It's maybe in death you'll understand, maybe. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, and, and I mean, you touched on a couple of things that I think are universal and, and, and hermeticism. I mean, to me, hermeticism, it, it, it just represents like um, a Greek, uh, you know, ancient Greek magical um, collection of, of esoteric ideas that that are universal in many ways. And you see, so uh, like you mentioned, um, like the masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine thing. And this is like one of the most um, immediate examples we have of like a dual duality in, in the universe, right? The duality exists as a thing in nature. And then the next step is you realize, well, really, it's like three, right? There's like a positive and negative, and then there's a neutralizing force, you know, it's like right. it, 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 you get old school, say man, woman, and then a, and then a child or, or other ways in which like, like male and female are reconciled with each other or or brought together through by a, a a third force so that gets you into the a law of threes and then the other thing is is the law of sevens right which you mentioned that hermetic you know seven things in, in hermeticism which has to do with the idea of a of a, of a process right the scale like like a scale goes up an octave and each tone on the scale has a different frequency and a different sort of uh uh, a different sort of meaning to it or a different um, significance to it. Yeah. Um, but one yeah. of the things I wanted to mention is that your um, the fact that you came back and wrote, wrote this book, you know, re, like added things to this book is one of my experience of, of writing things and, and putting things out there is you, the minute you put something out there, you immediately, almost immediately start seeing it from a different perspective, just that act of it, you know, it's like, I could write, I could write a book and then I'll just sit on it for like, I mean, I've sat on a book for like a year before just making tweaks on it and stuff because I didn't, couldn't think, I, I feel like I need to do something else. And finally I put it out and it's like, just immediately I started thinking of, oh, why didn't I talk about, that? why didn't I do this, you know? And there's something about, I think your learning process how you grow and evolve as a as a uh, individual or as a magician, you can make the case. You grow because when you put something out there, that's that's part of it. That's part of the learning process. Like actually articulating and trying to teach something to someone else, you like learn a lot more. You learn a lot more from it, and so you learn. Well, there's no way I can just write one book. I have to write a bunch, you know, or I, I can't just like do one song or put out one album. That's it. I got to do a few of these, you know. Yeah, the, uh, the there's a lot of things in the original that I don't care what anyone says. I'm just gonna kind of chop up as first time writing mistakes. You know, there's it was just uh, one of the things with it was I only there was only I think three or four people who saw my book before I released it. 
you know, and, and one of the uh, one of the little tips that you get online is is have, you know, people kind of proofread your stuff and have them give you back realistic, you know, advice on it. And looking back, my my editor, Wynn Picknett, she did quite a bit. I just wasn't listening, but I, it's one of those things where you just you really think it sounds one way and you've read it a hundred thousand times and to you everyone's gonna see it the way you do and then you put it out there and no one does and you can immediately see why and you feel like an idiot but yeah like you said that's just growing as a person that's 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 part of the journey cool thing about self-publishing is i can do that i can go back if i fucked up and i can be like hey oops you know and put something you know more cohesive and, and that makes way more sense out Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I I had one publishing deal with a with a third party uh, publishing company, and um and I was hesitant going into it, and I regretted it afterwards. And I was I'm never doing that again. And that and that was for the book Daemonosophy, which is not. It's like I I got it away from from this or this this uh, publisher. Um, and I'm going to re-release it at some point, but, um, I, after that I decided I'm, I'm just only doing like self-publishing, like unless Simon and Schuster gets a hold of me and says, Hey, we'll pay you, you know, $50,000 for a book. Then I, but I, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. So I, I prefer, like you said, I prefer the, um, autonomy of just self-publishing and why not? That's the age that we live in where it's, it's, it's so, it's so available um and if you have something to say you know it's like there's not really anything holding holding you back you know if you put the effort into it you can put that stuff out there and you can put out another version of it whenever whenever you feel like it yeah i mean so i I think i re-released this august or september of this year honestly i could go back today and redo it and i could re-edit more things and i can uh, you know, okay, I didn't talk at all about the Egyptian mythology and, and how that's important here. So, all right, maybe I can just put like three paragraphs on that. And this part of the story is fucking stupid. And this comedy, I'm never going to be able to not go back and find something with it that I, I, I can find a way to make it better. But uh, I just, at this point, it was, you know what? I started writing the book when I was 25. I'm 30 now. You are a very different person at 25 to 30. I think it was, I was trying to think of who this was the other day. I want to say it was, it was Socrates or Aristotle. Or Plato. It was like one of the Hellenistic guys who said that if it was, he said something basically along the lines of, if you're not disgusted by this, the version of yourself that you were five years ago, you're not evolving properly. And it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, at 25, I think everybody's an idiot, but I was, so I was no different. And when I started going into this and my original goals for it was, I was kind of like, cool, I'm going to put on my, uh, my Baphomet fucking superhero costume and talk about how, (laughs) you know, you can use these ideals to navigate hardship too. It's not just black craft and, you know, sign up rituals and, you know, the snake and naked lady and all that shit, there's actually something here as well. So when I originally came into it when I was 25 and full of fucking energy, that was my goal was to to kind of show it that way. But now 
matured a little bit. I grew up. I, I had the experiences happen to me that um, that people are going to read about if, if they read the book. So coming throughout all of it now, it's like, all right, well, now I just I kind of want to just make sure I just got the philosophy right. Um, make sure that the overall point is is made and hope that people get it. And at this point, if you don't get it, if you don't understand the point I was trying to make, well, you're not going to. I don't know what to tell you. you know? So that's part of it, too. You know, you talk about growing as a, as a person or growing as a writer. Is, you do kind of have to get to a point where you just say, I don't care how people think about this. You know, I'm proud of it, and this is... This is something that I'm. I'll shot from mountaintops that I, I did. You know? Yeah. So I think um, one thing a lot of artists struggle with is, um, and there's probably a term for this, but envisioning your audience right beforehand. In other words, you know what? You know I'm as I'm writing or or whatever it is I'm I'm producing. I'm thinking of who what kind of people I want to like this. And that I think actually makes it like kind of, it kind of sets yourself up for disappointment because as you put things out into the universe like this, you discover that it's an entirely different, different strata of, of people that will be interested in it. And, and I think that's part of the, um, that's part of the power of, of mystery or, or uh, runa as uh, Stephen Flowers likes to call it, that there's an unknown factor which which emerges. So I found to try and not um, worry too much about what happened. Or uh, Alistair Crowley said uh, to work without lust for results. Um, and, and to me, that means not thinking too far ahead about what I want this to do out there, but just that I want to create this thing to and 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 to put it out there. Yeah, yeah, that's it's interesting. I never heard that from Crowley. What was it? The uh, don't. What was the saying from Crowley? It, I guess it says to uh, to work work without lust for results. I like or that. Overcome lust, lust for results. You know, to get past lust for result, and it's kind of like like some people relate this to like Buddhist um, like in Buddhism. They talk about non non attachment, not being attached to things. And and I don't think he meant that. I think he meant it more specifically. He was probably talking about ceremonial magic and you know putting your will in, in, in into the universe. And that's a you, you need to get into a certain mind mindset where um, you're not completely fixated on, on on the specificity of the result. In this case, we were talking about, or I was talking about the kind of people that you expect that are going to like your book, like not going that far with it. Anton LaVey talks about something similar too in the Satanic Bible when he's giving his uh, his um, it's like there's five factors or something that he says in a successful uh, uh, greater magical working and and um, I, I can't remember if it's the the balance factor or, or or something like that but he has a similar idea in there too that when you're doing when you're doing you know in his version of ritual magic the point of it is basically to just get it out of your system to get your whether it's anger lust or whatever it is you're working with to just get it out of your system and push it in a generalized um direction but to allow as far as like what you expect to to occur for the uh, occur from this to allow 
some room or some leeway as far as what happens and not have really strong expectations on one thing or another because that can actually you know deflate it or or um basically in, in my opinion it's just a it ends up being a big you know waste of energy yeah the uh sorry i drew a blank there for a second um yeah it, it's it, anytime that any of those guys are when they talk about any of the stuff that have to do with in magic I'll, I always take it and look at it from, all right, well, if we remove magic out of it, how does that play into it? So even when you got people who are, you know, like Hermes, when you have, we have them and they're working strictly from a almost alchemy point of view, or, I mean, that's really all they had at that time. You can still look at them and see how, how all that plays out uh, as far as philosophy, which is what the point is that you were getting at, you know, and how you look at these things that they were, these points that they were trying to make uh, for magic. As to that, though, I think it's the same thing because that was one of the biggest problems I had with the original is I did not identify my uh, audience well enough, and that that makes a difference in who you're playing to and how you're going to write to. And you know, I, I kind of wrote it for anyone to understand, not realizing that only people who are into this kind of stuff are going to be picking up this kind of book. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, then then Crow Crowley's example and his quote would still reign true here as well because I, again first time writing this thing i just that wasn't you know <clears throat> i don't know about you but the first time i work when i was putting it out i was like man this thing's gonna be like huge and the, and the reality is that we just we write in a niche kind of genre which mm -hmm. is fine which is why now it's something where i think if you have no knowledge of the occult and you picked it up i feel like you'd have a pretty hard time understanding it or at least understanding the philosophical end of that and then how that ties into the life antidote um, that i provide yeah no you're you're absolutely right it's like uh this 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 kind of uh it is definitely a niche um writer's uh, uh subject matter Right. um that that we're dealing with here and yeah you should definitely be definitely be aware be be realistic about that right. um you know i know uh, one of the chapters is um chapter 17 in this book uh know thyself is that some of the new was there's some newer material there yeah a little bit um uh, know thyself used to be called self-love so it's basically the okay. same chapter. Um, it's a little bit, I kind of expand more on the idea of know that self in the start of it from a uh, Socrates point of view. Because um, he, or, uh, or at least I, I, I talk on it from the Hellenistic point of view, not specifically Socrates. I do mention him, but I do talk about it from a Hellenistic point of view. Um, but yeah, basically, that was just a rewrite of self-love was a chapter I felt like I had to write, whereas Know Thyself, again, like we were just talking about knowing your audience and making sure that you're targeting them, Know Thyself made a lot more sense. So that, yeah. was, that got put in there. And, uh, as far as the, uh, the book itself didn't really get an update. So when I, when I put it out, you know, I, I put it out in January 2020 originally. There's nothing after that until today of my personal life that was added to the book. I did consider it, but I, I didn't really think that'd be fair to people who had bought it before because they didn't get 
all of the amazing shit that's happened to me over the past 18 months, um, which was a nice break from the rough couple of years I had before that. Uh, and I think a lot of that played into why I felt the need to go back and kind of retouch it and re-hit on my story because I was just, I'm, I'm much happier now as a person and where I'm at. And it was, I just, that was like, it was like trying to, you know, and I explained this in my, my chapter now called Two Redactions. It, it was like trying to write a, a book about your life during the two worst years of your life. You know, so when you just have a dark world view, that's how it came out. And it, there's parts of it that just came out not the way I wanted it to. So I decided to get it back. You know, that I, I, I can totally see that because this is one with the, the new version. That's one of the chapters that I spent more time uh, drilling into on it. And that's entirely the impression I got that there's like a more um, and, and I like I like the autobiographical nature of it. And I think you said you said earlier it's not an auto autobiography, right? Well, so when I originally went into this, I originally went into it with kind of an idea of like how LeVay wrote a lot of his stuff, where he almost was writing essays and then compiling them into a book. He did that with Satan Speaks, Satanic Bibles like that to an extent. Uh, I never read all of the Satanic Witch, but from what I do remember, that was basically the same idea as well. So that was that was what I wanted to get at um, with this book, which is why it's not in chronological order. So I have a chapter called Determination. I talk about you know times in my life where I felt determined and how that led to something good and something shitty. And I do that with pretty much every chapter. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I think it, it wasn't... I, I didn't want people to, to read this and necessarily walk away from this of like, wow, this guy has a, uh, a very dark and depressing life because that's not the case. There was a lot of stuff that had happened to me throughout my life that I just, philosophy was there. It was a part of me. It was something I was interested in at the time, but it didn't have any basis in what was happening. Whereas every story in this book is something that I specifically looked into philosophy for. So that's the difference. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, I, I was out of the country three times um, uh, or twice in my teenage years. I never made it in there. I partied a lot throughout my, uh, my teenage years, my early 20s. That, none of that stuff really made it in there. Uh, the skinhead days, although, you know, I look back on them and the grin for a lot of reasons. There's also a lot of stuff that kept you there, and there was a lot of uh, uh, almost gang-like brotherhood and camaraderie that you get. I didn't write about that stuff because it wasn't difficult then. So I was actually thinking about this the other day on, on how philosophy, when you're, when you're climbing the mountain, philosophy is there if you follow philosophy or religion. It's there and it's with you, but it's not at the forefront of your mind because you're just living life. You're going through and you're doing what you have to do. But then when you start to fall, and once you get onto the, the bottom of that hill, you start looking to see what you fall back on. And, you know, in my book, I say, when I'm talking about self-defense, they say that you fall back on your lowest level of training. I think as a person, you're going to fall back on your, your base level of morality. So that's why I was writing about the stuff that was hard and the stuff that was difficult for me, because that's when the philosophy mattered. When I was killing it in work when I was 19, philosophy didn't really matter. I mean, it did, but it it wasn't 
it wasn't a, a conscious thought where it was like when I lost a shitload of money when I was 23. You know, when I lost a lot of money when I was 23 and you get to a point where you start questioning your worth, you know, and the type of person you are and your own ambition and your ego, then that's when you start using philosophy. You're not using philosophy when, and I say this in two redactions, you know, I, I don't care about your philosophy or religion when you got a baby on the way and you're getting married and you got a new promotion because it's easy. I want to hear about when it was hard. I want to know how, how did, how did, even if you're a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, whatever, I don't care. How did it, how did you being a Christian get you through the most difficult part of your life? How did you being a Satanist get you through the hard parts of life? How did actually going through and, and living by and adopting Crowley's principles actually help you get through something? And not in a way where it's, we're talking about rituals and not, in a way, we're talking about setting up a, an altar or doing any of that stuff because I don't, I don't do that stuff. I, I don't knock people who do, but in my personal opinion, for me, I think it's a waste of my time. Uh, people can have their own opinions about it. I just personally don't see the point. If you do it, by all means, knock yourself out. I get it because, like you said in the beginning, you, in all, all, they're going to teach you to basically do that same thing if you go and get mental health therapy. You know, They tell you to meditate and kind of focus on one thing and then imagine getting it away from you in some way. So with Satanism, you might do that through saying a, a mantra three times and hitting a gong and I don't I can play with a snake, whatever, and go about your day, close it out. Um, and meditation and Buddhism, they're going to do it through, through meditating. Everyone has their own way of doing it, but I personally, you know, it, I just I don't think that it's a necessity for you to gain a higher sense of enlightenment throughout your life. So I didn't want to write about that. And I don't want to sit there and try and act like I knew how to work rituals when I don't, because that's not something that I has put time and energy into. And that's, you know, it, everything that you read in the occult is always about rituals. And I feel like there's such little... It's almost like the philosophy is getting lost at this point. You know, oh, yeah. people, people don't even know. People don't even know. I mean, there's there's people of the say in the satanic temple who don't even know who Lede is. Like that is crazy to me that there's people like that. There's people on on TikTok and Twitter saying you don't have to read books and that you don't have to understand the philosophy and you can basically just see the cliff notes of it. And it's like, guys, you're you're really missing a major part of this if you're not if you're only looking at it as here let me wave some sage around and fucking wear a cloak like you're, you're really right. missing a major major point in this you know so that, no you're absolutely you're absolutely right i'm sorry go ahead no so like i said just that major point that everybody was missing that was what i wanted to write about was this is how you actually use it to, in a practical way in, in a way that's about how you can use it in your day-to-day -day life. Right. Yeah, so, um, I, no, I, I, I think that's one of the great, uh, that, that's one of the main things I like about uh, your book is that it, it is from this really honest place, this real practical place, and this really experiential place. Um, and that's a big part of it too. So to put it, you know, in, in, in terms of something that you and I are both influenced by, Anton LaVey's like Satanic Bible, 
Well, I'd say the first half of that book is that the or the the um and specifically the the book of Lucifer um, is specifically about that. It's like sort of a, it's it's an applied applied philosophy, not philosophy for the sake of philosophy, not scholastic philosophy of uh, hypotheticals or how things should be or could be, but how things are and what is the best way to approach it, um, given how things are and also given the kinds of um, values that I find uh, within within myself. And for me, that was a big part of like discovering the Satanic Bible when I was um, 13 years old was was it made me realize that I have a strong value for personal responsibility and, and rational self-interest and sort of those underlying things that are in in the philosophy and seeing it put in this manner was a. Um, was was very uh very revealing and very inspiring and very you know it's like uh i feel i was never the same again you know after i had had that experience of seeing things in that way and then i moved into the uh i i moved into the ritual magic since you brought it up i'm going to go ahead and talk about ritual magic and my, my my interest in that uh i gradually like moved into that initially because I like that idea that you know you can you can make things happen, and I think that's why everyone anyone who like starts getting into magic is well they want to try and make things happen, and it seems like either an easier way to do it or a way of you know kind of circumventing well, if I can circumvent reality, um, and then there's people who do do it just for show. There's people who do it just entirely just for show, and you're right about like that's like the overwhelming majority of occult books that are coming out now is like a new magical system or here's my magical system. And part of the reason for that is it's just the easiest thing to write about. It's probably the easiest things to write about. You don't have to explain why it should work, how something like this could be real, which I mean, is another thing the satanic Bible did that no one else really was doing at the time in a, in a convincing manner saying why this works. Well, it works because of the power of your, uh, the, the power of your emotional outpouring there's an energy to that and it's like oh well no i can see that that's no my uh, our emotional outpourings do have an energy to them they do seem to have an effect on things and so um and i think a lot of his ideas about that probably came from young uh young kind of like has a similar sort of like approach to things and i think that's kind of why he's like kind of at the um uh, like you said earlier, he's kind of like the godfather of like all of this occult stuff because he started talking about how it's like, you know, the how gods and stuff, the archetypes are. Is that that's not the term he was it archetypes? What's that? The the shadow, the shadow work. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, that's one of them. But uh, the uh, basically he talks about forms or, or thought forms and stuff. Um, he was you know, a statement. Did he? Did he use statement? Oh, uh, he, he probably did. I'm not sure specifically if he talked about that, but he'd say like, well, there's a there's an archetype for um, the father god, right? And it's universal. It's in the mind because look, the Greeks had Zeus, the Norse had Odin. You know, everyone's got a father god. Why is that? Well, there's something in the mind that says the principle of the father god is like this. He's He's wise, he's stern, he has a blah, 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 you know, and then there's a and then there's a warrior God. You got Mars or you got Hermes or you got, you know, um, Horus, you know, you have different um, myth cycles that have this same principle on it. So 
Jung started saying, well, these are archetypes uh, in, in the psyche of the mind. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about there's a. Um, 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 man, this is really bad. I don't know. We're getting off into Jung and I can't remember a lot. Of collective unconscious. Wow. That's it. The collective. He came up with the idea of the collective unconscious. And so there's an unconsciousness that's kind of collective to humanity. And that's why we all end up having, oh, this the, we have an archetype of a mother goddess and a father god and a warrior god and a blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, and a daemon and a shadow and 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 um, all of these things. Um, yeah, that's an interesting concept. I mean, it's you kind of start thinking about it. And it's right. Every everyone. It almost makes you gotta wonder if it's just because of evolution, you know, or do we just think that way because that's how we are. We have a mother and a father and our parents have parents and so on and so forth. So you almost have to wonder, is that why we see it that way? Just because that's how we are and that's how we see the animal kingdom. But, you know, in reality, whatever sense of divine or spiritual world that exists, it could be completely different in a way that we just couldn't even understand as, as human beings. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's all kinds of ideas and critiques about, about young and stuff. But, um, the thing, the point is, um, uh, my point is, is that he kind of opened the door to the sort of, you know, you know, people like us pursuing these things because like prior to that, the idea of a God is, Oh no, it's something out there. Right. Oh no, that God is out there. It's a thing out there. It has its own existence. You know, that's how the pagans looked at, you know, they no, they believe there's a father God and mother, you know, they believe that Odin and, and, and these guys are out there. And then the monotheists came on and said, no, there isn't. Those are all bad gods or demons. There's just one God and he's our God. And young kind of comes and says, you know, it's, it, it, it's really all part of the psyche. So the whole question about whether it's outside of you or not is kind of a moot point because um, the psyche, the, since it exists in the collective unconscious, we all partake of it uh, individually and, and collectively. So he kind of took it to this level where someone could come along and, well, I mean, I can I can write a book on the occult and the gods and, and, and explore these things because I am accessible to it because I have a I have a psyche and I have the archetypes in my in my mind and a lot of this is is is, is plato also like plato uh talked about like the forms and i know you talk about plato and socrates and stuff in your book which is another thing um that i like about it i don't think enough people um talk about those when they write about these kinds of things so that's another thing that i appreciate about it it's you know it's, it's just amazing me how many people out there don't even realize that like stoicism which is a relatively commonly known or, or widely followed philosophy that plays a role in this as well and that falls into all of the hellenistic philosophers so everyone from socrates to plato to aristotle all of them are still involved in important in esoteric and occult philosophy as far as i'm i mean i haven't seen any of them i haven't seen any occult philosophy that doesn't have any reference to the hellenistic period I'm not that I can think of anyway. I mean, maybe I don't. I can't really. I guess find a direct correlation with Lavey, but I'm, at least nothing's coming to mind off the top. Well, you know what I would say with Lavey? No, I think there is because he brought in like doesn't like the four like the four elements 
Isn't that come out of Hermeticism too? Like earth, air, water, fire? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the spirit. So yeah. Yeah. So so I mean he brought that in with uh, you know, earth, air, water, fire. It's like, you know, you know, the four books in the in the SV are, you know, Satan, fire, Lucifer, air, Belial, earth, and Leviathan, water. So he, he brought in those things. He brought in those things also. And you're right. It's like hermeticism. I mean, it's just such a this is why I asked the question earlier is like, how would you define it? Because it's such a broad thing. You know, I think the only thing I can pin down on it is it's, it's it goes back to Greek. But it's also the Greeks. It's the Greeks also incorporating it in the Egyptian Egyptian influences that they knew. So it's this big like kit bag of of of. Uh, of occultism that is just like become very, very, very prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It, it, and one of the points I made in the original, I don't, I don't think it made it to the, the restructure was, you know, there's so many elements of all of these beliefs within each other. And then, you know, it's unfortunate you got so many people nowadays who are trying to like rip it apart from everyone to have their own separate thing. And it's like, Oh, I, I'm, Perfect example, like I was saying earlier, you, you have people in the Satanic Temple who don't know who LeVay is. It's like, guys, you should at least understand that there's branches here of of the philosophy. And you should at least know some kind of lineage of where your stuff comes from. If you're, if you're in any way involved in all this, but you've never looked in any way into Blavatsky or Theosophy, you need to go back to the drawing board. And a lot of people don't even have an idea, and I'm no different. When I read, when I wrote the original, I knew who Blavatsky was, and I knew a little bit about her, but I knew so little in comparison to what I know now. And I feel like a lot of other people are kind of caught up in that as well, where they just they, they're not aware of like the original place where these ideas and these ideals come from, and by that they're missing out on quite a bit of it. Yeah. And the the problem is, is you can't you, you can't convince someone that they need to like, you know, you know, someone either like. Is driven to know those things, yeah. you know, yeah. or else they're not. Yeah. And and maybe they'll change sometime. But if someone's not into it, then they're just, you know, and it doesn't matter whether, you know, we're talking about the TST or, or occultism or any all other walks any other religious system you find this i mean really i mean if you look at like you know how you know christianity has become structured you know or so if you just take catholicism you have the idea of there's like you know a priesthood and those are the people that are really into it and everyone else all the millions and billions of other people who are into it are just kind of on the surface and not going that not really going to go that deep into it so yeah. i mean you know um but even then, I mean, I can at least, you know, and one of the things that when I was writing the restructure, because I used Lynn again as my editor, and she's like, you know, your approach in here that you take to Jesus Christ as a historical figure and as even a mythological being is a little bit softer than most Lusferians take towards him. And I'm like, well, yeah, because if you've studied, you know, I, I don't see how after studying Gnostic uh, uh, scripture or the Gnostic gospels at all, how you can't have a different and more I guess high, a higher opinion of Jesus Christ 
as a historic and mythological being. Even though I don't follow Christianity or any form of Abrahamism, Abrahamism, I can still appreciate that. And so I put that in there. And a lot of people, they just automatically assume, you know, because Jesus is the, the figurehead of Christianity, obviously, they're automatically assume, okay, well, the church told me not to do a whole bunch of things that I liked when I was younger, so therefore Jesus must also not like me because I like those things, so therefore fuck him, you know? Right. And that's a lot of people's mentality towards it, which I understand because I was a teenager once and childish as well. But then once you kind of grow up and you start looking at it, you really don't have the uh, the same kind of vitriol, like, angst towards anything that says treat people well. So once you, I started looking at, uh, you know, the, the restructuring, the things that I was putting in there and... I was like, you know what? I don't have this huge negative opinion of someone say like like Jesus, and even right there positively about Moses as well. I was like, so I don't I don't feel like I should have to to write about it, you know. And a lot of people just automatically make the assumption out of ignorance, like you're saying, um, that you know they're not gonna they're not gonna be okay with it. It's it's just stupid to me. It's childish. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100% on all that. That's another thing I like about uh, your writing in, in, in this is that you uh, refer to Jesus because the way I mean, the way I see it is that, well, Jesus, I mean, and and like yourself, mm -hmm. he used to be a young Satanist and used to be, yeah, upside down crosses and fuck yeah. Jesus, you know, and, and, and all of that shit. But you got to remember that like you know jesus did the the church the church is something that came after him right yeah. and and he didn't like i mean if you just go and try and find the the gospels or you look at the gnostic you know literature and stuff like that well there's a lot of really um interesting stuff in there and i think valuable stuff in there that really isn't the same sort of rhetoric that comes from the church or comes from you know a, a lot of that i think comes from paul and james who wrote you know the rest of the bible after jesus was dead and what you might what you might have here simply is another case of a a teacher uh starts a system and starts teaching some people and then that person dies and once that founder is gone another person comes in and starts putting their stamp on it and reinterpret everything in their way. And what, what has happened is like any of these religions, any of these groups, what they do is they bring together a group of people like under a structure. Now that there's a group of people here under a structure and someone new comes in who's like on top, well, what are we going to do with all these people we now have control over? And there's a huge moral hazard there, right? And we can talk about the same moral hazard that you talk about in, you know, in, uh, with, with, with government or a million other like different things that happen. It doesn't mean, though, that the original founder didn't have things of value to say um, that, that aren't worth us checking. And to me, that's kind of a fundamental idea of the left-hand path that makes it different than the right-hand path because – the way I see it, you know, right-hand path, people are, are kind of like stuck with whatever that path is, and and, and that's it. And, and you know, no, you're not really encouraged to look outside of it very much. Whereas when you're on the left-hand path, you can really look at anything, you know. Um, you know, if you're into ceremonial magic, you know. I I mean, I can do I can do whatever I want. I can have like, like Satan on there, or I could I could bring in Jesus in there if I want. I can do whatever I want on there because yeah. it's my universe that I'm setting up. I mean, you know, the right, 
the right yeah, some of the criticism I've gotten from the restructure actually was people saying that they didn't uh, I, I forgot who it was someone said they didn't agree with my concept of the left hand path versus the right hand path it's like guys you don't need to overcomplicate this that much it's 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 simple you know uh, right hand path that's your 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 yin your order um, and then your left hand path is your yang that's your chaos that's all it is and even to say chaos that doesn't mean that there's no order in it that just means like you said you can go any way you want with it you can incorporate um, paganism and you can align that with luciferianism and you can see similarities between the two just don't do what i did and then consider oh yeah they're the same because they're not because <laughs> then you have to go back and add the restructure of the book but um yeah there's nothing wrong with pulling from from all kinds of different stuff that you have available to you and, and knowledges and, and philosophies that are out there and kind of seeing like okay well these all work well for me and these all actually align in a lot of ways that people aren't directly open to seeing yeah, start immediately open to seeing anyway. Like, there's a, there's a lot of, I, I mean, even ones that people kind of know about. We, you know, we got Christmas coming up. Even when people are like, "Oh, Christmas is just uh, uh, pagan holidays reimagined," it's like, okay, well, that's something that people are aware of now. But if you even if you look at the philosophy between them, it's really not. I mean, how much? And I'm speaking from a Gnostic scripture point of view. How much difference do you really see between Gnostic scripture in principle and in value from, I don't know, maybe not Hermeticism, but maybe Buddhism or Hinduism? I mean, how, how different is it? Once you remove the idea of, you know, because Buddhism and, and Hinduism, there's going to be multiple deities and, or gods there, um, and, and, uh, you won't get that in all of, in every religion, but um, I, I forgot what I was going with that. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot what I was going. But uh, yeah, the, you you can pull you can pull a lot of different philosophical ideals from a lot of different stuff and see how they align with other ideas that you like and other systems that you like, and you can mesh them together. There's nothing wrong with that. Just understand that each one is different. That's the important thing, right? So I, 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 to me, the value in that is, is, is that by comparing these different things, you see what is similar. Yeah. Like, like you said, you see what is similar in it. And then you're finding like a core truth, like, um, like, uh, say like in the, in the, in the, in the gospels, which is not too far off from the Gnostic gospels, you know, the two main things that, that Jesus talks about is kingdom of heaven within you. Right. So in other words, the inter you need to be looking inside, you know, rather than outside. And um, the, and and um, the other thing that he says is uh, awaken. So he says, awaken, wake up. You have to stay awake like 50 times. You know, I don't know if it's fit. He says it a lot. Right. And it's like awaken to consciousness. Well, this is, you know, become become aware, become aware of yourself. This is one of the most common. Um, common um, esoteric spiritual type um, ideas that's that's out there, and you find that in Gnosticism. I think you find it in Hermeticism. Um, people can take take uh, the uh, surface, you know, uh, images from that and apply it to something else, and 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 just have fun with it, so to speak. Right. You know, cast spells or whatever, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that there's deeper truths within. 
absolutely. There's, uh, it, it, you know, it's kind of like you said originally, there's always going to be essential and, and core value to them. And, and you can, when you're looking at them individually, you know, when you're first looking at them, you're looking at them individually because no one's going to confuse themselves and be like, all right, I'm going to look at three different religions at the same time. Like, you don't do that. You look at one at a time and then, okay, you, you understand that. And then you move on to your next one. You understand that. And the next one. And eventually what I came to find was that there was so many of these that just all pointed to exactly the same direction, even though, you know, one's coming from this direction, one's coming from this direction. They're both pointed to you. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, and then you just have to decide for yourself what, where it's, what makes sense here to hold on to and what doesn't. Because honestly, mm-hmm. you know, even in the, in, in the process of writing the original and the restructure, there were some ideas there that I had to challenge even on perspectives that I had towards the philosophy. I remember specifically, um, uh, it was, it was a, uh, the satanic sin of uh, solipsism. Solipsism. Mm. Solipsism. Yeah. Yeah. I remember really, really rethinking that process as I was kind of writing my own stories out. And I remember really sitting there and being like, did I really understand this as well as I thought I did? Because I keep committing the sin one. And then on top of that, do I really, do I really understand this? And is it something that I've really adopted? If I, if I'm not, if you're not understanding it correctly, then obviously you're not going to be adopting it correctly either. You know what I'm saying? So I remember having to look back at that and being like, really sit down and, you know, crack open the Satanic Bible and, and really just try to understand that particular sin a little bit further. And that was just one example, but there was quite a few of them. Well, I think um, one of the original ideas about um, sin I wrote about I wrote about this in Demonosophy. One of the, the original ideas about sins, and, and I feel this applies equally to like Anton's uh, satanic sins, is they they weren't really meant to be um, a like like a series of commandments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It wasn't really meant to be a, a bunch of things that you have to do, or else you're a fuck up. What mm-hmm. it is is it's a bunch of things that everyone does everyone does these things um you cannot help but to do these things and commit and 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 and, and have them go and, and and in christian theology they get into well is adultery of the mind the same as adultery right if you just if, it, if the thought goes through your mind is that enough well the thing is is like when you have when you when you notice these things when you realize them or like you said you saw, you know, saw your tendency for solipsism, say. What that means is that it's an opportunity there for you to stop in that moment when you realize that you become a little bit more aware of yourself. It's like a reminder. It's like an alarm clock for like self-consciousness. It's an alarm clock for uh, know thyself. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Socrates is saying the same thing as, you know, awaken or remember yourself or however you want to like phrase that. And uh, so that's what what these things mean. And, and, and people misinterpret it the wrong way. You know, it's like the, the organization, like an organ, like I said, an organization comes in and says, OK, well, now what are we going to do? Well, we're going to use these things to like, you know, 
penalize people and control them and make them afraid and stuff. Um, but that's not the original the original purpose. And if one approaches ideas like this voluntarily right. and willfully, because you want to like, because you ultimately want to know thyself, you want to be a little more aware of yourself, then things like that become a tool that you can use. But it always falls to shit. Whenever people start judging each other over these things, everything just falls to shit right there. I mean, no one can have any kind of like, you know, esoteric school or spiritual exchange if people are like busy like judging judging each other over transgressions and then it just turns into turns into shit i'm i'm more about tempath than you are that's basically what i feel <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. that's that's exactly and it's it's funny too because you see that a lot on social media and it's i don't know i don't know what it is with these young cats and like the way that they come at it is just like no, I'm the only one who knows this stuff and you don't know shit. It's like, guys, man, you guys, we got to turn down the ego. I get it too. When I was young, I trust me, I had I had a huge, huge ego problem. I still do sometimes, but yeah, you got to check that at a certain point, especially, you know, you, you know, get away with it when you're 18 and 16 and a kid and all that. But when you're 25 and that, that same attitude doesn't work. It's the it's the unholier than thou attitude. Yeah, exactly. I'm more satanic than you are. That's everyone's trying to like out outdo each other. And that's yeah, it's just relax. I'm just abide by the uh the sign. Like you were saying earlier, I I always understood that, you know, specifically with LeVay or even Ford. Michael Ford, he's got the uh the uh eleven Luciferian points of power. You know, it's so different than with the 11 satanic rules of the earth or, or the nine satanic sins, all of them. They're all just guidelines to look at, and anyone looking at them just see them as a... But I kind of like how you put that off where it is. It's like a it's like a moral alarm clock that goes in your head. and like, oh, I forgot about LeVay's sin there, solipsism. That's, I expected this person to act and treat it the way I would have, and that's why I'm paying for it now. So I like the way you put that. The, uh, I'm going to steal that from you, you know? Morality alarm clock. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I didn't make it up, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's just a good way of thinking because it is. And, you know, there's been times where I've sat there and not even just with occult and, you know, uh, left-hand path stuff, but just sat there and said, hey, you know, uh, everyone does. We're just sitting there and say, hey, uh, speak up a little bit more. Or sit up straight or, you know, uh enunciate your words it's just like that but in the context of you know of the occult and of the left-hand path to where we're saying that when you make a decision you now have something to fall back on which is no different than anyone else and any of the sins that they commit christians are looking at murder and stealing the same way that we are you know murder and stealing but it's just something that they have to you have to go and say to yourself is this a good idea um now and then once you decide it is or it isn't, you move from there. Well said. Thank you, man. Thank well you. said. Well, my friend, um, I want to congratulate you again on the the republication Thank you. of with Lucifer on my side. Uh, I, I, again, it's an excellent, I mean, it's just, it's it's done really well. It's put together really well. 
um, you know, props to your team. You got good people like helping you out with it and everything and putting it all together. So it, it looks great. Um, I highly recommend re- recommend it to uh, my listeners out there. Uh, where where did the, where do people need to go to to get the book? Uh, it's available on Amazon. I got ebook, soft or soft cover and hardcover. Right now, the hardcover is uh, I, I can't get the pricing fixed. So if you get it quick, you, you might still get it cheap. Um, but usually, it's twenty six dollars for the hardcover. I think seventeen for the soft cover, and then twelve or thirteen for the for the ebook or ten for the ebook. Plenty of options for Excellent. you. Excellent. I, I always go for the hardcovers nowadays. I just, uh, yeah. it's where I'm at right now. I only buy hardcover books. Um, unless it's something really, really, really awesome. But, no. You know, it, it always it always annoyed me that they never made the Satanic co- or Bible in hardcover. Because I still have my original version. And I'll show you to you right here. This thing is falling apart, man. It's, it's probably been opened and read through about a hundred times, but you know, it's all hard. Yeah. This thing's hardly held together anymore. You open it up, it like splits in the middle like that, you know, they should have made this in a, in a hardcover, but they never so did. They did. You know, they did, they did make a hardcover of it. Like, it? In a, yeah, like in the sixties. Um, and they're really rare. If you go up on eBay and look for like hardcover, you can find it, but they're all like, you know, $800. Um, and I doubt they'll do that. They'll do that again. And of course the, um, the, the forward on it changes, uh, every few years, the original versions had, uh, Dr. Aquino wrote up the forward for it. Um, I've, I've got a, co- a softbound copy of that somewhere. I think, yeah, I think we got a hardbound too. Um, and, and then Burton Wolf. Who wrote the forward on yours? I think Manson. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll check right now. But I'm almost positive it was uh, it's either Manson or or Gilmore. Let's see, who is it? Oh, yeah, Gilmore. Yep the uh, the opening is by Gilmore, and then yeah, cool. Yeah, there was. Uh, cool. In any case, it's well, it's it's well used. It's like my uh, original yeah. copy is like pretty much falling apart like that too. Um, yes. I don't know if there's any book that I've read that I flipped to more, returned to more um, over a period of time. Um, you know, during a certain time of my life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Over the past, I found the Standard Bible when I was 13, so I'm 30 now. So 17 years, I've been I've been going back and. Through that thing a lot. Yeah, I, I almost it was I was this close to ending the restructure on a blank page that said Yankee Rose. I was like, <laughs> I was gonna give it back to him. I was gonna get, gonna throw the tribute back, but I was like, ah, leave it for Levay. He can have it. Yeah, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna get in trouble with the church of saying have him deal with the copyright. Right now they'd probably say something. Yeah, you'd, you know, someone would be like uh, reaching out to you. I bet. Yeah. Um. Well, anyhow, my friend, uh, thank you again for the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, keep up the good work. Keep putting out crazy stuff out there into the universe. It's making life more tolerable. Brian, man, I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you.